Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. This is Shabbos, Pashas Chukas, Bolok. Pashas Bolok. Depends where you live. In Choyl, Chutzlaret, Chukas Bolok together. And in Pashas, and it's a cell, it's Pashas Bolok alone. Baruch Hashem, once again, Klal Yisrael is united. We are together. Those who have been going back to shul are united in shul. Hopefully, uh, keeping to the dictate, the mandate that it was discussed before the shuls were open again. People should not talk in shul. Extremely important. Gidoyli. Um, the time used uh, simply to say that this was a punishment that Kali Yisrael was subjected to being taken out of the shuls because people speak in shul we don't believe in punishments um, as a matter of fact even in the world to come Purgatory, Gehenim, is also something that we can deal with. Not deal with it as far as God forbid what it represents. Deal with it in that ultimately the Yidin are children to their Father in Heaven, Tavina Shabbashamayim. If a child comes home, and did something wrong, did something disgraceful, did something that upsets the father. Father might reprimand, might get a patch, not now in today's generation anymore, that doesn't fly. Talking to, sent to the room, But a person, the father of, of us, of, our, of us, the Klal Yisrael, of children, the Ebishta, looks for a reason why it happened. Especially if we're put into a predicament that caused us to do such an Aveda. They tell a story of a young man with marriageable age. And his mother wanted him to be married. Father said, he doesn't know how to earn a panasa. How can he get him married? I don't, I don't need to have a job. I need him to learn how to earn money. So, the mother said, wife says, and if he does, then he, yeah, if he does, he get married. So the next day, the wife handed the son a few dollars, thirty, forty dollars. Said, "Gay Mark, go to the marketplace. Walk around whatever you want. Come home and show your father you earn money." And the boy does. He goes out to the marketplace, and a direct to the dog. 
turn, he goes around and around. He comes home. Star, look what I earned today. Father looks him in the eyes. Father grabs the money out of his hand and puts it between his hands as if to tear it. Son doesn't say boom. So father takes it and tears it in half. When you're not at work, come back to me. The mother must have thought maybe someone in the market saw him and saw a husband, told the husband he's walking around doing nothing. Okay, that plan didn't work. So the next day, she gives the money again. Go to your uncle's house, to my brother, she says. Hang out there for the day. Come back and tell your father you earn money. And again he does the same. He goes out, he comes back. Look what I earned today. His father again looks at him in the eyes. Snatches the money from his hand and his mouth makes the motion to tear it. And the child stands there and he tears it. When you're ready to go work, let me know. The mother says, Wow. My husband became a prophet. What is this? The next day she says to her son, Tatla, go out and work a whole day long and earn a few piastas. And he does. He goes out and he works the day really hard, backbreaking labor. <coughs> and he comes home And his father says, he looks his father in the face, he's still sweating, he says, Tal, look what I earned today. The father tries to snatch the money and he pulls it back. Finally, the father gets the money out of his hand, he's about to tear it and he's screaming, Tal, don't, don't, please don't. The father smiles and gives it back to him. He says, Good, good, Tatl, I'm proud of work, I mean, you went to work today and you earned some money. Tata, tell me the truth. How did you know the other days that I didn't work? My father says, very simple. When you let me take the money out of your hand, if it was money that you earned, you wouldn't let me take it. Like you didn't today. You worked hard to earn this money. And therefore... You were not ready to give it up. And therefore you begged not to tear it because it was hard, hard-earned money. And this is, we come, Achimei the Maila, and we'll discuss later the toil that one does in this world. What its value is to the Evishta. The value that God sees in the toil, the work, when one devotes and dedicates themselves to Torah and to mitzvahs. Kukas and Balak are two quite normal-sized parishes, not very long, but action-packed, very full. So we'll try to dissect a few of the subjects. Obviously not all. Tzayda tells us, again, 
this parshah generally encompasses the 40 years in the desert. And tells us how toward the end, towards the end of the 40 years, Moshe once again sends out a group of spies. And they go out and they look at the land they were needed they needed to reveal to see. And they conquer it. They kill everybody there. They take over the land. Another interesting part in the Parsha, as they come to the end of the forty years, two and a half Shvatim, Shevet Ruven, God, Chatzis Shevet Menasha. Two and a half Shvatim tribes came to Moshe and said, "Please, let us stay on this side of the Yarden." There's a lot of grass here, it's good for our sheep, we have a lot of flock. And there was a dialogue which is not brought down here, it's brought down later in the Vodim, how Moshe says to them, here you think, you're chickening out of the war, you don't want to go battle, that's why you're going, <coughs> that's why you're asking to stay here. Your brothers are going to go kill themselves at war. <coughs> Excuse me. Are you going to stay here? Ha! They said, no, Misha, no, 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 no. We will come to war. We will fight. And we'll fight until everyone is settled. Only then will we go settle in our land. So the Pasha itself starts off with the Mitzvah Paraduma which is discussed the second year they left Egypt. And immediately the Torah goes over to the story of Miriam's passing, passing Miriam on and the water that disappears, which was in her merit until then, and the story of the Meimeriva, of the water, how Moshe got the water out of the new stone, out of the stone itself. Thank you. Hitting the stone instead of talking to the stone. Shall discuss Mitzvah, the conquering of Sichon and Eig, etc. <coughs> All this took place at the end of the forty years, as they were about to enter to show. As we said before, another case. Another scenario, two other scenarios that happen. Moshe sends the spies to see Yazar. And they go out and they conquer it. They capture the city. As we said, the Shvatim, God and Ruvain and half of Shev Menashe has to stay on the outside of the yard. They're not going to Eretz Canaan. And Moshe answers... Positively. As we said, we said later, the word is These two occurrences of the Miraglim here and Ruvain God and Chatshet Menashe, God Ruvain Chatshet Menashe, 
are almost the exact same story as we had with the Meraglim. With the original spies that got the Jews stuck in the, in, in the desert for 40 years. What was the first sin the Meraglim had? They didn't just suffice with telling Moshe what he asked. They had to add. They had to add that to bring back that say we can't do it. They added their own opinions. They weren't asked this. They were asked to tell us what the land is all about. The second sin was they did not want to go into the chosen land. They'd rather stay in the desert. What was their logic? Discussed it before, not this year. They were actually holy people. And they lived on spirituality. They thrived on spirituality. So going into the Holy Land of Antisol meant Trumas and Maestras and working in the fields, etc., etc., and all these other mitzvahs of Eda. The physical mitzvahs that have to be done, which would take them away from studying Teda. Also, in the desert, they were basking in Kedusha Ruchnius, the Ananim, the clouds. They clothing grew with them, everything was wonderful why would they want to give that up they didn't want to and therefore this was the second sin (coughs) on their part so Lucheda we're seeing a repeat we're seeing this happening again Moshe sends these people to spy the city of Yaza. And what do they do? They decide to go on their own reconnaissance. And they add, not only to spy, but conquered. Without being commanded to do so. And God, Reuben and Shev, and Hafi Shev Menashe come and they say, we don't want to. Don't make us cross the Yardin. We want to stay on this side. They're asking not to go into Israel. Mamish, the exact same sin as the Miraglin. Repeat performance here. But the results are totally different. How is it that they sin the exact same sin and not only is it not considered a sin, they were blessed for capturing the city and they were blessed with the staying on the other side of the Yardin. It's Chukot Lula here. It's a double-edged sword. Two-faced. Truth is the opposite is what, what the outcome really was. God forbid to say this was the same sin as the Chet HaMeragun. But rather, it was the rectification. It was the tikkun. They fixed the sin of the spies. How did they fix it? Because they caused an effect 
totally opposite of what the Miraglim had done. The sin of the Miraglim, who added words negatively about Eretz Yisrael, we can't conquer it. What, how do we fix that? How do we repair that? The opposite way. The spies that went and said, look, wow, one, two, three, we took care of business here, it's ours already. Spy it? I'll buy it. We took it over. They were so confident in Moshe's prayers by sending them out, that HaKadosh Baruch helped them. And therefore they were able to capture the city. So, whereas the Meraglim deterred the people by saying that we can't do anything here, (coughs) (coughs) these spies showed the people we actually could do it. And they did it. And the same is with Shevet, Reuven, and God, and Chat Shev, Menashe. The spies did not want to go into Eretz Yisrael whatsoever. They did not want to enter, they did not want to inherit, they didn't want anything to do with it. And therefore caused a negative effect. Which was, nobody went in. 40, 40 years and all the people between 20 and 60 died HaKadosh Baruch Hu guaranteed to Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov that this land would be their children's and yet they stood up against it Zachiz though thing is HaKadosh Baruch Hu Guaranteed Avram Avinu the land of the ten nations. And at the time now, HaKadosh Baruch Hu only gives them, when they enter into Israel, the land of seven nations. So, there was a problem here. There was a problem. Kini, Kini, Knezia, and Kadmuni were not yet conquered yet. Kini, Knezia, and Kadmuni were not conquered. They, these were the other three nations that needed to be conquered. And therefore, these Shvatim knew that in the time of Mashiach, may he come today, or now, in the time of Mashiach, these would also belong to the Yidden. So Reuven, God, and half of Shevet Menashe said, let us start now doing already the Kibush for Mashiach. For those of the Lord. 
And therefore they asked to stay in the lands of Canaan, Canaan, and Kadmoni. And by staying there, it showed how they had such a yearn to be at Israel, be part of at Israel, that they wanted it to be the ultimate Yerusha of Israel, with all ten nations, as is promised to Avram Avinu. And this is a tikkun. This was a rectification of the Chet HaMaraglam. Dafka, these things show how the Yidin rectified the Chet HaMaraglam. Rashi says, in that time, Kufahi, the entire nation stood as one ready to enter the Holy Land. And therefore, it's not only the fact that they were fixing and rectifying the sin, but rather they were ready to land, to conquer, and to dwell in the land as it will be, the Osid Lovey, may it be today, Amen. Therefore, they started the Yerusha, guaranteed, promised by Akadish Baruch Hu, to Avram Avinu that it should come to the Gula Mitzvah Hashlema. So they were going straight for the for the pot. They weren't looking to compromise here. They weren't looking to improvise. They weren't looking to only settle <coughs> the seven places. They wanted everything, just like when Mashiach is going to be here, Mitzvah. And looking at that, they were anticipating that Mashiach would come because of this. And therefore the entire Etzisrael would be Mishlemus. But until the whole Etzisrael was Mishlemus, was a complete entity, they felt that obviously as it was, we see, not yet time of Mashiach. So they were doing their part, and their sacrifice, by conquering and staying on this side of the land of Yardin. Conquering these three lands as well, to make the one solid entity. We don't always see the whole picture. We don't see a complete picture always. As we see now, these miraculous and these miraculous, and these people said this, and these people said that, and these people conquered it. So we don't always see a full picture. They tell a story of a king who bought a tremendous lot of land, hundreds and hundreds of acres, and wanted the most magnificent palace hired architects from throughout the world to construct an edifice that no one had ever seen to live up to something that the world would never be able to talk about, finish talking about Then he wanted to take it one notch up, another level. He wanted his throne room, the room where his throne will sit, he wanted it painted by the four most magnificent artists in the world. And so they set out and they found these four magnificent, magnificent artists and they employed them. They said it's for the honor of the king. And each one painted one wall. 
Trump made a scene on a, each on wall. And there was months involved in this. It's a big wall, it's a big room, the throne room. And each artist painstakingly stood there painting and painting. And as they were so into their painting, they couldn't even look at what the other artist was doing. Because you sometimes look to see, oh, maybe I should use this, I should do that, to be better than him. It doesn't matter. They needed to get their job done. They had no time to look at the other. So three of the artists were working very diligently, and the fourth guy was not. That they noticed. He'd slack off. He'd sleep late. He'd come to the palace midday time. They were there since sunrise. And he'd get the good food and the good drink that they were being given. And he left the Chazash and took. Weeks, months went by till the palace was ready. And the day that the king was to enter into his royal room, his throne, the artists showed up very early to make sure that the last touch-ups or anything that needed to be fixed, to make everything as perfect as perfect could be. And artist number four was nowhere to be found and his blank wall was sitting there. Suddenly he shows up and the other in a big box. And the other artist is screaming at him, You fool, what are you doing now? Now you show up here, you have nothing on your wall. Ah, he smiles, but I do. And he took out of the box pieces of mirrors, enough to cover the entire wall. And it's set up on such an angle that in his mirrors you were able to see all the other three walls. The beautiful, gorgeous walls that were done by these artists that were so immaculate and perfect. These three walls that they worked on so hard were now reflecting in his wall. Amazing. And the trumpets blow and the king enters. And as the king enters, he looks at wall number one. Wow. Wow, you are amazing. This is magnificent. And he steps to wall number two. And again, compliments the beauty and the amazing, perfect piece of art. And he goes to wall number three and again compliments to no end of the world. Then he comes to the mirrored wall, wall number four. And he smiles. And his head goes back and says, Now that is amazing. That is magnificent times three. Everything is, it's, it's, how everything is depicted is beautiful. I see everything. I want to go to the wall. I'll see all the walls. I go to this wall and I see everything at once. That is so fantastic. You outdid everybody. Needless to say, the artists were not happy to hear that. The the king calls over his servant and whispers in his ear, we need to pay the artists 
Go bring three sacks of gold. So the servant runs out, brings back three sacks of gold. He doesn't understand. There's four walls. Who's not getting paid here? And immediately the king takes sack number one and he puts it up on the wall number one, the beautiful painting. And wall number two with its beautiful painting. And wall number three with its beautiful painting. Artist number four looks at the king, bewildered and befuddled, and says, But your majesty, you said that mine was even more beautiful and more magnificent than all the rest of them. Do I not get my bag of gold? Ha! says the king. One? You're getting three! Look at your wall! I hung up by every wall a bag of gold, and your wall has three! That's amazing. Mazel tov to you. We work very hard on this world. We learn Tata, we do mitzvahs. We devote ourselves and dedicate ourselves to God's beckon, to God's requests, to God's Tata. And then you have the free rider guy coming along for the free ride eh put on film nah maybe I'll put on that would have mean you're pushing it Chavez uh, I need my phone how can I live without my my phone I'll miss the news I'll miss an email it's only a little small of radar shop. There's no... The Gemara didn't write about a cell phone. And his whole life towards... His attitude towards Yiddishkeit is, to say the least, lackadaisical. So when push comes to shove and he asks for his reward, I also did... I also learned Tate and did mitzvahs. He will get to see a reflection of everybody's rewards. Now, in the beginning we spoke about punishment for not doing business. And here we're telling you that there's a reward. If the reward, the fact that the reward is not as great as the reward that everybody else gets, that in itself is a punishment. And that's how a father we treat a child, and that's how a king would treat a subject. Back on, quickly on, not quickly, this week's parsha. And you should take this perfect red heifer. The Rambam, in Yadachazaka, and we've said this before, but it's a must. It's imperative to be repeated every year. It should be imperative to repeat every day. The Rambam says in Yad HaChazaka, Mishnah Tere Yad HaChazaka, only halachas, only laws, that's all he mentions throughout. He brings down different scenarios, how to the Paskin, how it should happen, how it should be, but it's all halacha. 
Other svarim we talk about other things, medicine, whatever it might be. But Yad Lachazaka Mishnah Teda is only halachas, and very precise in his wording. So we have a strange phenomenon here, an anomaly. In the middle of Paraduma, the middle of Paraduma, there's a tefillah for Mashiach. What's doing with the tefillah? A prayer in the middle of the halachas, the laws. The Ramam writes, Teisha Paradumas, there were nine Paradumas offered, nine red heifers were offered, the time that they were commanded to fulfill the mitzvah. Until the second destruction of the Besamekdash. The first of the nine was brought by Mesha, then was brought by Ezra, and seven others were offered until the destruction of the Besamekdash. Then the Rambam continues another part of the halacha. And the tenth, the Siri, Yahidei Mashiach. Melech HaMashiach will be done, will be brought through the King Mashiach. And the Ramam continues. Speedily revealed Amen so may it be Hashem's will. That's how he finishes Allah with a, with a prayer that Mashiach should come. What is this wishful prayer in the middle of this law of the halachas? It's not even in Hilchas Mashiach. If it was in the middle of Hilchas Mashiach, I understand he's talking about Mashiach, and therefore he says it. But in the middle of Hilchas Paraduma, where does this come into fit? Evidently, this spontaneous tefillah of the Rambam is intended to teach us yet another law, which is the fulfillment which the Rambam does spontaneously. The Rambam writes the belief the future redemption of the Jewish people through Mashiach as well as constantly longing for his arrival Mashiachs is a fundamental principle of Jewish faith. The Yudgimel Animamans, the 13 principles of faith. One of which is Beviyas HaMashiach. The obligation to yearn for Mashiach, not just conceptually, emotionally, to yearn for Mashiach 
means that a Jew has to feel that Geula is a critical issue, a critical need. And without it, we are lacking severely. And therefore, he anxiously awaits the coming of Mashiach. To the extent that the mention of the topic is deeply emotional. This now explains why the Rambam inserts it, a tefillah for the immediate revelation of Mashiach in laws that are unrelated. Because the fact that he said the tenth parah will be brought by Melech HaMashiach, he mentioned Mashiach, his emotions immediately grabbed him and he right away started to yearn. Said And this is how we need to feel perpetually. And this is why, and I spoke last week as well about this. Although going back to Shul is a Simakhidala. Returning to Shul especially during the Tkufa, during that epoch that we were davening davening alone, privately, without a minion even, no Kaddish, no Baruch Kedusha, was hard, excruciatingly hard. So therefore, when it became the next Shlav, as we call it, the porch minyanim, being able to go out and daven with a minion, but on the porch of your house, connected with a minion next to you, or people next to you. This is a big thing. It's a big thing. And therefore, people were happy. People were very excited. People were very excited to be able to daven again with a minion, to be able to hear Kaddish again, to be able to Say Baruch Kedusha was exciting. Then the shuls were reopened. Some say a little too fast, a little too early. And many people are still very scared to go into the shul. And people over 65 should be very careful about doing so. Should definitely be wearing masks and be careful and not come in contact with people wash your hands constantly. All the rules that were always in effect on this pandemic are in effect tenfold more. Our cry was not let us open the shoals, 
was not let us go to camp. Let us go to sleepaway camp. Those same kaiches, those same devotions, the cries, the screamings, the yellings, that should have been done. Crying and yelling, we need and want Mashiach now. Bimheda biyameinu mamish amen kenyihiratzin. This is what we should be calling out. This is what should be our battle cry. We need to be reunited with our Father, Davar Hashem Eidi Viishi. And the shepherd of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, our shepherd, our leader. We need to yearn, we need to want to be reunited with our shepherd. And we're embarrassed. We're embarrassed to ask. We're embarrassed to say, please let us come back. We're embarrassed to say, please take us back. Take us back in your embrace. Take us under your wing. We're embarrassed. Either because we feel we embarrassed, we, we did, we wronged Chasrashalom HaKadosh Baruch which is not a thing, as we mentioned before. A father doesn't look at a child that way. Well, because we see and feel within ourselves. Do I... Did I do right or wrong by stepping away? How do I now go back into the under the wing of my mentor, my shepherd, if mm-hmm. I pushed, I estranged myself so badly, I estranged myself so strongly, how do I become one again? How do I unite again? The Manteda, everyone needs to know. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is waiting. Call out and cry, as we said last week. The father is hiding and he's waiting for the child to call out, Abba, Tata, please come take me back in your embrace. Please come take me once again. And this is what we say, this is our battle cry should be, not should have been, it's not too late, it's something that needs to happen now. And we need to say, Admosai, how long can I be separated? We want Mashiach now, Bimheira, Turn to the parsha before I get too emotional. Miriam Manavia passes away, and the pasuk tells us that there was no longer water. So Rashi says, The entire forty years there was a river of water which was in the merit of Miriam. We also learn about the passing of Arnakayin in this week's Pasha. And what happens with the both? Miriam's passing, the water stops. And Aaron's passing, and the Ananiya Kovid go away, the clouds of glory, 
and immediately Amalek comes to attack. And just for those who have that question now, flashing question, we know that the, throughout the duration of the times the, the Jews were in the desert, the clouds surrounded them, Simlaskalev also, the garments got washed, the garments grew with the people, shoes, everything was, the person, everything was clean. The snakes were, were killed, the cloud, the mountains were, were flattened for a smooth journey. What happens now after Aaron dies till they enter into Israel? They not have these Ananim. They had the Ananim. They were also Anani Hakavid, which were the clouds of glory, which were a level higher even. Those are the clouds that went away by Aaron Akain, which ultimately gave Amalek the thought factor even that they can come attack the Eden now because they're no longer a glorious nation. One of the and that is the lifelong lesson that we have. As long as we act like the glorious nation, Amalek will not, cannot come attack us. It's when we unfortunately um, humble ourselves more than we should. And we don't have the honors of the Ananiya Kovid, our Ananiya Kovid, we don't feel the great importance that we have in our mission, a lifelong mission on this world with God, that's when Amalek gets into the bones. Chazal tell us, back on the subject, if you keep your score at home, it's going to tie this test in Aleph, 9 side 1. Shows us this connection that Ananiya Kovid protected the nation in the desert. This is the Schus of Aaron. Miriam which gave the Jews throughout the water was in the merit of Miriam therefore was known as the bear Miriam and the Mon which gave the people sustenance throughout the 40 years came down the schools of Meshavinu quite a family Aaron and Miriam passed away and Aniyah covered and the bear Miriam disappeared then they miraculously came back says Chazal so the Gemara in the Schus of Moshe. So at this point now, Moshe was the, in his merit, the Nanim, the clouds, the water, and the Mon all were in his honor. The Mon, the Nani Akovid, and the Bear Miriam. supported the Jews throughout. The mon was the food which the body sufficed on. And of course, when a person eats dam midame basar mitsarik shalom. Then covid as we said was protection from the outside. Protecting from all the perils of the desert, dangers, flattening the road, cleaning the garments, all the things we mentioned before. And the Be'er gave water. 
Water itself doesn't... A person can live without water, but a person doesn't get fed from water. Water, if a person has to drink X amount of water so that the food disperses properly throughout the body, distributes throughout the body. Water itself is an entity that's... You have to drink X amount of water a day in order to flush your body. It doesn't have any sustenance of its own. Mm-hmm. These three things are in the Torah as well. In, in Within Torah. We have Torah as we study it totally envelops and enters every part of the person's body. His entire soul. We have Tera that protects the person from outside elements. And we also have the Tera that gets and reaches each and every part of the person's mind and body. When one learns Tera, one tries to engrave it within themselves, into their mind, into their heart. It becomes one with them, like the food in the body. And therefore, no two Jews are the same when it comes to learning Taylor. There are those that can grasp so much more and hold on to it and remain and understand it so much deeper. And there are those that struggle with that. And they don't understand exactly the depth of what they are studying. For each person has their own level of understanding and grasping. This is the food of the Teda. Then Teda has also the Keach, to help us overcome obstacles in the world. Every Jew, no difference, he or her, whoever it might be, can understand. And they attach themselves to Tehra. And this helps them through, this makes a barrier for them to help them through every given problem. In this way, the Torah is like the Ananiya Kovit. It guides the person on its road. It helps the person overcome obstacles. And that is what Das Torah does. One, needs a pro- one has a problem, one goes to the Rav, and the Rav guides them through it. The third concept of Tera is like water. As we compare Tera to water, it's a Maimel Tera. But water's nature is to flow down from the highest to the low. And it reaches everywhere, it spreads. Spill out water somewhere, if there's a slant of any kind, any kind of pitch, the water will flow and get everywhere. 
to have a little cup of water, all of a sudden it's all over your dining room floor. The little cup was barely enough to, to but it all of a sudden is all over the place. And that's what Tere does. It comes from the highest above, from the source, godly source, and it comes down here, the Mata Mata, to the lowest of low. To the mundane, trivial mind. In a way that every Jew can learn it, you can absorb it and become one with it. Mm-hmm. And there's no Jew that can't learn Torah and understand it according to their capacity, according to their knowledge and how they how much they can grasp. Mm-hmm. And the same. I'm just recording the show another seven minutes. And the same would stand true how Teda is the way, same way as water envelops and enters each and every person. So even though that the Mun was in the merit of Mesha and the clouds in the merit of Aaron, and the Be'er in the merit of Miriam and Aviyah. After Aaron is passing and Miriam is passing, all this came back in the merit of Moshe Rabbeinu. For Moshe was the leader, Moshe was the shepherd of the nation. And therefore, he availed himself to everyone and everything and every cause. This is what a true shepherd, a true leader, Amadi Yisrael does. He worries about all the needs of the nation. And after each and every Jew, and since the fact that each and every Jew has a little spark of Meshach Rabbeinu within them, each and every person is chayev to do for the general populace. And therefore one needs to always involve themselves to overcome any obstacles and problems and issues. No one could say, it's not my business. It's not my, not my, not my I don't do with it. This Jew has a problem. This Jew is suffering. It's not my business. I'm looking away. I, I, I got other things in my head. It doesn't happen. Need to be involved each and every person that we can reach out to. To help all that we can, anyone and anywhere in the Jewish nation. Again, talk about the concept of sorry.
of how the Paraduma purifies and elevates each and every Jew. And we need to also understand this in the second of the parishes, Bullock, when Bilam, Russia, although he was graced with a certain amount of prophecies, which came from the opposite of Kedusha, the opposite of holiness, a totally different source, he went out and he mounted his own donkey, he set up the donkey early in the morning to go curse the Jews. Rekhaj Baruch says, you were preceded by this already. Avram Avinu did this for my command. And although he knew Akash Baruch would not let him curse the Jews, he thought maybe, maybe, somewhere, he could do some kind of, any kind of damage. Although, we know that he says, we know that Akadosh Baruch Hu protects the Jews from any kind of curses. But he felt that maybe, maybe they do a little sin that will ultimately send them off the path slight so that they'd be able to be cursed. So Pashas Bolok, in essence, teaches us the opposite, the turning over of a curse to a blessing. Where Hakadosh Baruch Hu turns over, that says later in Devarim about this, a klala, a curse to a blessing, for Hakadosh Baruch Hu loves us. And that just like by Bilam, it was revealed that hatred, mikalkelas sashura, sinna, mikalkelas sashura, it damages straight thought. Same thing also, the opposite. Also does similarly the same thing. And so although we find ourselves sometimes hating somebody to an extent, find ourselves hating it to some extent another person, another Jew. We need to understand that this is not what HaKadosh Baruch is looking for. And we need to actually devote and dedicate ourselves to finding a way, to actually finding a reason to care, to want to be friendly, and not only friendly, but to reach the level of true Abbas Yisrael. And with this, we merit the coming of Mashiach today and take us out of Golis as this Shabbos is Chag Ula comes to Yud Beis, Yud Gimel Tammuz, the Ula of the Friedrich Kerebe. May we too merit to this very same Ge'ula and find ourselves in Yerushalayim in Akkadish on this very Shabbos. Shabbos to all.